This message comes from NPR sponsor Xfinity. Some things are slow, like snail races. Other things are fast, like Xfinity XFi. Get fast speeds, even when everyone is online. Working to make Wi-Fi simple, easy, awesome. More at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Some sad news to report. Uh, R.A. Montgomery, who's the publisher of the Choose Your Own Adventure books, has died at 78. We want to pay tribute to Mr. Montgomery by creating a kind of a Choose Your Own Adventure podcast. I don't know if this will work or not. Probably won't, but we're going to try it. Okay, if you want to hear an interview with the woman who does the voice of the moving sidewalks at airports, go to 112. If you want to enter a spooky cave, go to 39 seconds. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Mike. And I'm Ian. It's cold inside the cave. There are two doors at the other end of the cavern. One has a sign that says, This door is a poor choice. The other door says, Behind this door is five seconds of Michael McDonald music. If you want to open the poor choice door, go to 712. If you want to open the Michael McDonald door, go to 306. On today's show, we'll tell you how to win at Monopoly. But first, you know those uh, announcements you hear in airports or on the subway? There's always this voice telling you instructions. It always sort of sounds like it's the same person. That's because it is. Carolyn Hopkins is the voice in over 200 airports, the MTA in New York City, the subway stations here in Chicago. She's on the line with us now. Carolyn, uh, can we start by having you uh, show us some of the things uh, you say in these places? Oh, certainly. May I have your attention, please? Smoking is permitted in dedicated... (laughs) 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 Trying too hard. It's been a very long day. Smoking is permitted in designated areas only. Please refrain from smoking while walking throughout the building. While on the moving sidewalk, please stand to the right to allow those to pass easily on the left. Wow. Um, or for your safety and convenience, please move down the platform and use all available doors when the train arrives. You have an incredible combination of kindness and authority, you know, which I think are two things that are hard to get across at the same time. That's a great compliment. I always smile when Ah. I read. And that can be very difficult sometimes when you've been recording for eight hours or nine hours. (laughs) So when you're doing voices at these, you know, airports, these hundreds of airports, do you ever um, try and fit your voice to like a regional accent? No. They're usually requesting a mid-Midwestern voice. So even in New York, they want a Midwestern voice? They do, but they want it much quicker. (laughs) <laughs> he came from somewhere back in her long ago You have died. When you're at the airport and you're on one of those moving walkways, do you ever turn to the person behind you and, and kind of give them a personal warning that the moving walkway is about to end? You know, I did that in Louisville one night. I came right up behind a guy who was blocking the entire sidewalk. And word for word, 
so it sounded like stereo and he still didn't move <laughs> <laughs> well do, do do you do you ever get recognized by your voice sometimes sometimes but it's rare because as my husband always says he doesn't hear that nice disneyland kind of voice at home well, oh. well, I I have to wonder though what what does it sound like when you're really mad? Like, let's let's could could you maybe um, do the moving sidewalk line, but as if you were really mad about it? While on the moving sidewalk, please stand to the right. Come on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I bet that would work. Probably, but it wouldn't set a good tone for the airport. Yeah, that's true. Do you do you ever sit back and think about how many people have heard your voice? Wow. Well, I have been told by the guys at O'Hare that on the moving sidewalk it's thousands and thousands each day. Yeah. And that is pretty freaky. I mean it it has to between all these places it has to be more uh, millions that have that have heard you over time. Right. And and uh, you know that that's very staggering. But just think, Carolyn, of all the uh, of all the lives you've saved, of people who maybe were just standing on that moving walkway, didn't not even thinking about the end of it. I know. Wouldn't it be great if that really did happen? And I hope it has. And I'm sure it has. There are a lot of places like uh, chemical facilities and defense facilities. You know, they have things like fire alarm, fire alarm. A fire alarm has been activated in Building 14B. Would all persons evacuate the building? You know, that kind of thing. And that's a different voice. Wait, is that you? Because my fire alarm says that at home. (laughs) It says fire. Fire. Is that you? No. Oh. Although I was a talking uh, dishwasher once (laughs) on a display. People would walk up and they had a sensor... And so I would start talking to them about how wonderful I was as your next dishwasher. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for talking to us about this. Well, thank you for talking with me, and um, I hope there's something in there that you can use. Your hand is trembling as you reach out for the doorbell. You hear large steps headed towards the door. A giant lock unhinges. The door swings open. In front of you stands a half-frog, half-man. If you want to say, Ribbit, go to 1717. If you want to say hello, go to 1417. If you want to play him Lionel Richie's hello, go to 1504. All right, before we get uh, too far into this week's show, we want to take a moment to talk about our sponsors. We should uh, at this point we should bring in Angela Goodwin. Uh, she's a sailing instructor and charter captain in Long Beach, California. Angela, is it okay if we call you Angie? Sure. Do people call you Angie? You can. <laughs> okay. The door is heavy as you push against it. You push as hard as you can, but it won't budge. It seems like it hasn't been opened for centuries. To use your tiny axe to chop through the door, go to eleven forty-two. To ring the doorbell, go to 616. To hear a Trunk Club sponsorship credit, go to 1856. So Angie, when a 
when a boat is is uh, stationary and it starts to tilt in one direction, what's that called? But it's lifting. So now, if you were sitting on the side uh, that the boat was tilting on, would you call? Would someone else call that uh, Angie's list? Yes, they would. Yes, they would. Yes, they would. Yes. So when you when you're about to take a a boat out on the water, do you have a do you have a checklist of of things? Yes, I do. Sort of like a pilot checklist. So there's kind of two Angie's lists here, really. Yes. Well, this seems like the perfect opportunity to tell you about another Angie's List called Angie's List. Uh, support for our show comes from Angie's List, helping consumers research and compare local service companies with access to ratings and reviews, exclusive discounts, and service offers on plumbers, landscapers, HVAC professionals, house cleaners, and more. Is that are there any similarities between that Angie's List and your Angie's List, Angie? Sure, but I'm guessing a list is a list, and they all have their purposes. Yes. Well, how about this? Uh, Angie's List is now offering an updated app for uh, iPhone and iPad to help consumers complete home maintenance and improvement projects from anywhere. Do you have an app for your Angie's List? I do not. And for our podcast listeners, there's a special 40% discount on the annual membership fees. Go to Angie'sList.com and use promo code NPR40 to get it. Does your Angie's List have a promo code? No, but it sounds very interesting. Hmm. Okay, good. All right, well, thank you so much. Okay, great. Thank you. You have died. One of the worst things that can happen to a person, and it happens a lot this time of year when you're home with your family, is getting stuck in a game of Monopoly that will not end. That's the worst thing that could happen to a person. In the entire world, that's the worst possible outcome. Walter Hickey is a writer for 538, and he actually knows how to win Monopoly. So, Walter, if you want to end a game of Monopoly, uh, where do you start? The best way that you could probably do it is, uh, is by controlling the housing supply. So here's the idea. There's a finite amount of houses in the game. Uh, and in the strict interpretation of the rules, you can only use however many houses you have. So if you'd like to kind of get a swift end to this game, the best way to do it is to get a lot of houses on your properties and not update them to hotels. The idea being that if you can control the housing supply and if you can force the housing crunch, then you can force your opponents to not build any more. And by doing this, you're able to kind of control the liabilities that you see on the board. So that's probably the easiest, like, simple stratagem that you can do. Like, the, the best ROI uh, on houses is is three houses. Uh, so the idea being that even though people tend to want to do the, uh, the, the bank-breaking hotels, it's actually a better idea in the long term to just control as many of the houses as possible and then force your opponents to not build. And is, is what you're saying there that uh, by, by putting as many houses I, as I can on my property, that I'm, I'm basically cutting off the supply from my opponents so they can't even begin to, to build real estate? Well, that's the idea behind it. A lot of folks don't realize that when you 
liberate four houses and construct a hotel. Those houses go back into the supply just for the opponent to buy next turn. So the idea is rather than kind of giving in to the urge to get an extra 200 on a given property, you just keep those houses there and deny your adversaries the ability to build more on their places. Every house that you own is a house that you will not land on, is essentially one mentality to take about this. Is there a limit on how many houses you can put on one property? Oh, yeah, you can only do up to four before you have to upgrade to a hotel. Okay, okay. You start chopping at the door with your tiny axe. You're making headway, but the vibration causes the cave to collapse and you are crushed by the debris. As you take your final breath, you notice the door had a sign that said pull. Tell us another strategy that, that we can use. Yeah, so a lot of folks see the Monopoly board and they see 40 equally likely spaces. Uh, th- this is actually kind of incorrect. Th- there's a definite anchor of the board, and it's not go. It's actually jail. If you look at where people get sent on the board, uh, be it from chance cards, uh, be it from speeding, be it from any of these kind of things, be it from the space that exists to send people to jail, you are more likely to end up on the jail space, whether just visiting or in jail, than any other space on the board. And as a result, we've observed that it's more likely to land on any of the spaces subsequently following jail than it is the spaces immediately preceding jail. So that's a thing that can be exploited. If you're kind of thinking about where on the board is going to see a lot of traffic, it's going to be in the spaces immediately following jail. That's so interesting. So what you're saying is uh, most of the spaces on the board, you basically you get there by rolling the dice. But there are so many different paths to jail between the cards and, and you know roll, rolling to get there that the odds of ending up on jail are greater than any other space on the board. Yes, absolutely. In fact, it's, it's more than twice as likely. Because essentially, if you look at the board, right, you've got the jail space, and then you've got the go-to-jail space, which just puts you directly there. So you've already doubled the odds. Then you factor in chance cards, which say go to jail. Then you factor in speeding, which sends you to jail. So the idea is that it, jail is the anchor of the board, and anything that subsequently follows it is more likely to be landed on, which is one of the reasons that we see the red properties, which kind of inhabit that nice little area just after one to two rolls are the most trafficked properties on the board. So uh, putting, putting this together, I guess if I, if I build a lot of houses on the row that follows jail, that's a good strategy. Everybody needs a place to crash after a night in jail, you know? So it's, it wouldn't be the worst strategy in the world to kind of keep that in mind when you do that. So, Walter, short of buying up all the houses and creating a housing shortage to, to end a game... The other way you could do this, I suppose, if you were to make the other person so angry that they would quit. Do you have any totally viable strategy? Do you have any tips on making that happen? Oh man, my brother's a master of this, so I wish that I could hook you up with him. But uh, nope, Uh, my brother's strategy, I believe, is to steal from the bank. But I have no confirmation (laughs) of that. (laughs) You say hello. The frogman says, "I've been expecting you." Turns out. He had a blind date who was supposed to show up at the very moment you did. You become his frog wife and raise a family. So uh, I'd say essentially just uh, maybe fight over the free parking rule on whether you get all the money in the center of their yeah. board, which is, yeah. Um, but it's essentially, it's a game of endurance, right? It's a game of spite, uh, mostly spite, but also endurance. And uh, I'd say just keep play that to your advantage. Well, uh, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. got an email from Josh. Josh says he listens to How to Do Everything while designing newspapers. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? 
This reminds me, the Fogman says. There is a beauty in the world of humans. I was once a prince there. Take me back there. As you walk out into the welcoming light of the surface world, you fall in a hole and die. Josh, these next 15 seconds are for you. I wonder if it's a lot of deciding, uh, where should I put the headline? Above the story or at the end? Do you think Josh ever had a moment he was like, you know what, this paper's going to start not with the front page, but with the back page? I imagine when you go outside in the morning to pick up your newspaper and you pull it out of that little thin plastic bag, and uh, you, you open it up, and it's it's actually uh, shaped like a butterfly instead of the traditional rectangle. Yeah. You think, thanks, Josh. Thanks for this. That does it for this week's show. What we learned today, Mike? Well, I learned that uh, when I'm at the airport, it could be Carolyn I'm hearing uh, telling me that the moving walkway is about to end. It would be nice just to have someone like that who knew... Uh, the you knew the right way to do things just to follow you around and, and give you uh, warm but authoritative instruction you mean like turn left up ahead Mike yeah but if it was actually just a person just following me around yeah oh, honestly that would get creepy wouldn't it if that's the way it was would I need to get a bigger bed the frogman looks you in the eye you say ribbit as a human you never knew but ribbit is actually a really offensive term in the fog language. Most fogs are terrible. That's why you hear it all the time. The frogman swallows you whole, like a fly. I learned that uh, sometimes in Monopoly, I mean, it seems like going to jail is a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Well, I don't think that's what he was saying. What do you? What do you mean? You realize, uh, you realize, if if life were like Monopoly, you would you would be driven insane pretty quickly. Like, you just, you know, at first you're like, oh, I'm on a nice walk. Marvin Gardens, uh, just across the railroad. There's the jail. Uh, oh, there's Marvin Gardens again. The railroad. Oh, there's the same jail. After a few a few laps, you, you would be driven insane. And if you were riding on an iron or a hat. Or a tiny dog. Yeah, you're, you're, you're crazy. You're... You're, You're already cr- crazy. Yeah. How to Do Everything is produced by Jillian Donovan with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Kathy Beckovin. Thanks for the hard work, Kathy. You did a beck of a job. Our artist in residence is Justin Witty. You can get us your questions at howto at npr.org. Our website is howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Time to go back to the sponsorship corner. Aren't you glad you're still listening? Support for How to Do Everything comes from Trunk Club, a men's outfitting service focused on simplifying the process of clothes shopping. Now, if you've listened to this show recently, you've heard us talk a lot about Trunk Club, but maybe you're still missing exactly what it is. Here's the deal. Every guy that uses Trunk Club is matched with a personal stylist. That stylist will get to know your individual preferences and styles, handpick a selection 
of premium clothing, pack it in a trunk, and ship it off for home try-on. I'm not fancy. Do I still have to have premium clothing? Users have 10 days to try everything in the trunk on, decide what to keep, and send the rest back. That sounds great, right? But oh, the shipping. No, no, shipping is free with Trunk Club, and there are no monthly obligations. To try out Trunk Club's clothing discovery service, check out trunkclub.com slash everything. You have died.